Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Malonsal. Welcome to the Twyla After Show podcast. We just shot the show. I'm with Carl Wiggers, producer of the show, as well as Kristen Oaks-White and Avery Davidson, co-hosts. And uh, we're back with another show kicking off Black History Month. And um, we're leading the show off this week with a, a really a Baton Rouge tradition. Um, this guy is a Junius. What's his last name? Junius Dillard. Dillard with Dillard's Tea Cakes, and he has a recipe handed down from his parents and grandparents. He says quite explicitly that it's grandma's. He says it every every chance he gets. <laughs> grandmamas. Yeah, and so he's... Not uh, mamas, grandmamas. He, and uh, they're at the Baton Rouge um, Red Stick Market every week, and uh, they're, they're a tradition, and it's great. I mean, he, he sells it. You can tell they're homemade. And, oh, yeah. Uh, they've got all that homemade goodness. In the story, Jennifer, ta- like, she goes it and, like, is with him while they're cooking, baking, I guess, uh, early in the morning, and he's kind of walking through the whole process. And it's, it's very much a homemade, just like, I'm, I'm assuming, pretty close to how Grandmama did it. It's it makes cool. it it makes it really hard to stick to a diet watching stories yeah. like that, and you know, because you you can like smell it through the TV. I was just mm-hmm. watching it at my uh, my desk, you know, because it was in the uh, in the the computer folders, and I'm like, well, let me check this out. Oh man, mm-hmm. there goes Weight Watchers. I'm done. Wafting yeah. almond almond extract. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And he's explaining in great detail all the uh, ingredients in it. And it's just like, okay, you can stop now. You can stop now. He's got it yeah. down to a science, I'm sure. Which oh, yeah. baking, good baking is a science. Yeah. yeah he's really got one is. of those in the store. He's got, I'm assuming he bought it from an old shutdown subway. It's got a subway like, label on it. But it's an old one of those, you know, in commercial level like ovens that he's using to bake, you know, 10 sheets of these uh, tea cakes at a time it's pretty impressive probably keeps it consistent too i'm sure it does and uh and they're good and uh it's it's a great story it's very homemade and heartfelt and i really appreciate it there and he's there at the red sticks former red stick farmer's market and uh speaking of farmer's markets carl you went out to one in an area we don't get to cover very much saint helena parish right. very rural area but uh they've got their own farmer's market now they do and it's one of those things that uh, i mean Living in the city, you I, I forget it sometimes even that a lot of these small communities have their own little farmers market, their own little I say little farmers. They're not little farmers. They're they're managing a lot. You know, you go to Casey Luckett's farm and you see that really quick. There's a lot to manage on just a few acres. I'm doing air quotes for the listeners. It's a lot to handle, and yeah. and that's what kind of farmers there are. But that way, there's a lot of produce in that world, uh, that part of the world, and. uh I was driving through that area and I, I knew there was a farmer's market. I'm like, why is there, there's a farmer's market in that ballpark. So I just started like searching and I found that there's the St. Helena's one that's sponsored. It's very much the LSU Ag Center and Southern Ag Centers. Both are very involved in it from both a health standpoint and like a, a food desert standpoint. They're, they're, they're putting a very concerted effort there. And it's really, my story this week kind of scratches the surface. Next week, I'm going to dive into some of the farmers that are actually there. Uh, but this week I kind of talked about what's actually in season. That's what the title of the, the story was this week, what's in season. I did that a little while back, I think back in 2019. I started that as a an attempt at going out to all these different farmer's markets across the state. And, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of trying to bring that back a little bit, just to help, try to help promote some of these smaller farmer's markets, mm-hmm. these markets saying, hey, what's what's out there? What can we go get fresh 
uh, here in the market today. And they got a lot of, for anybody wondering, root vegetables, leafy greens right now. There are some strawberries out there, um, which we actually have another story about strawberries being early. Uh, but strawberries, pretty much, uh, yeah, I think it's mostly at roots, greens. Um, I also found some tea cakes at my farmer's market as well. Oh, wow. I don't want to upstage Mr. Junius, but uh, <laughs> uh, they're pretty good. I can't say. She gave me some. Miss Ruthie, mm-hmm. sweetest lady. You'll see. You'll meet her next week in the show, but. She gave me some tea cakes, some of uh, some of her cornbread that she uses, like mm. uh, it, like crackling cornbread is what she mm, calls it. Mm, mm. Uh, it was incredible. The tea cakes I didn't get to try because they were on the counter. And we remember we were talking about farm dogs of the year the other day. Right. <laughs> My oh. farm dog found the tea cakes on the <laughs> counter. That breed is the worst. That breed is the worst about counter surfing it, it, what, what was Sorry. crazy to me this is totally a tangent from my story but all the only miss ruthie i'm sorry if you hear this the only thing i really wanted to try of all that was the tea cakes because i knew jennifer had a story about it i don't think i've ever had a tea cake well i didn't eat them in the truck because i was trying to be responsible i was going to eat it like as a dessert with dinner that sure, night with the, wife. <laughs> with the wife i was going to share and of course the Dog. That's the only thing Murray ate. Sweet potato <laughs> pie didn't touch it. Cornbread didn't touch it. Tea cakes went for what's best. Took all first. three of them. Yeah. Wow. That that my friend Amelie has same type of dog. I had been here for board meeting all one day, and I think I was staying with her. Stopped by. It was five o'clock. Had not eaten all day. Stopped by Maxwell's. Got a sandwich. Went in. Washed my hands. Used the restroom. Came out in the box bag everything was gone and i said where what did i do with that sandwich the dog was on the ground eating licking up the very last of it in the box so what breed what breed of dog is this golden doodle golden oh i gotta give him credit surfers i don't know about amelie's dog but murray at least he doesn't leave a crumb and the bag the bag was in pristine like the ziploc that it was in was in pristine condition so I guess A-plus for not shredding the Ziploc into 12 pieces. There wasn't even a, sh- a shred of a shredded piece of lettuce. That's wow. not. Yeah, that's that's impressive. But uh, anyways, that was a little bit of a tangent. But there there are other things other than just... Uh, uh, tea cakes? Well, tea cakes, but other than just produce, fresh produce. But that's really... Uh, I talked to um, Mr. Burnell at the from the Southern Ag Center. Uh, he's an, the agent there in that, that area. And he was saying, you know, they got canned goods, they got Miss Ruthie's tea cakes, and they got uh, a juice uh, booth that does like juicing and stuff. But he said, but what we really try to do is promote the farmers, the the ones that are out there harvesting and bringing in their crops. He said sometimes the day before, most cases that morning, which is like, yeah, you know, there's that freshness, like that that part plays into it then, and you can taste it, and that's what. That's what we talked about in the, in the story. It's really a tale of two cities with that because with Baton Rouge farmers markets and urban farmers markets in general, you have a situation where they're a necessity because grocery stores have moved out due to economic conditions. Whereas in places like St. Helena Parish, they've never been there to mm-hmm. begin with because they're such rural areas or many of the people in these communities have to, tra- you know, there's a grocery store, but they still have to travel for mm-hmm. so far to get it. And so these farmers markets are a much more of a necessity even than um, their you know, their, their counterparts in big cities. 
Yeah, and, and at St. Helena, I mean, I don't know if any listeners have ever driven through St. Helena. Greensburg is, I believe, is that the parish seat? That, that is the parish that seat is, for St. Helena. It is yep. the parish seat, but if you were driving through and you're from Baton Rouge or you're from even Franklin Parish, like myself, you drive through there and you're saying, there's no way this little nothing-looking town, and I'm not trying to despair, be despairing, it does not come across as a parish seat. Like It's it's a small, like small town. Yeah. Uh, and there, I think there's one grocery store. Uh, I mean, it's very, uh, very slim pickings when it comes to options, when it comes to grocery stores, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And that's one of the things that they talk about being, uh, you talked about coming from afar. I mean, there's, that's probably the only grocery store for quite a few miles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I didn't see many grocery stores in the whole trip. So, uh, but the farmer's market, they talk about, even though the same uh, the grocery stores may have some of that same produce, the freshness that they're getting at that farmer's market and second to none. I mean, yeah, you can't it, it's no no competition. So that's one of the things that kind of they, they're really wanting local like the locals there to to use the farmer's market because it's better for their health. Yes. And it's I mean that's not to again be disparaging against grocery stores, but that's a factor. Yeah. It's it, yeah, and it's so important. And the for those areas, a lot of that is it's just ironic that they're rural areas that they have a lot of farmers and that they're suffering from lack of food access. And so, because agriculture is such a strong driver in those areas, it just um, uh, it's a real contrast. And uh, the problem, of course, you know, in St. Helena is that it's a rural area, as I mentioned, in the urban areas, there's still these food deserts due to economic conditions. Um, and the, my story kind of addresses that this week with Baton Roots. It's a program that's a subsidiary project of the Root, the Walls Project, and uh, they're trying to empower communities through using art and unleashing the creativity in these communities. And one of the ways that they're doing that is by they put a four-acre farm in a park in the middle of Baton Rouge. I mean, it is in the middle of urban Baton Rouge. And so they're growing all of the stuff that are vegetables and, you know, all that stuff you talked about in St. Helena. But they're using it. Uh, Mitchell Provencal is the program director for it. And what he's doing is using that as a seed farm for one, to put it into local schools. Um, the place we went to this week was Capitol High. And um, we went there, and you'll see it in the story. There's defunct. There's a defunct Capitol High FFA that hadn't been around in 15 years. They have greenhouses that are unused, and Mitchell found all this stuff because he's trying to reinvigorate those programs, and he's done so in the back of the school. There's like a half-acre farm back there right now that's all seeded from this Howell Park farm uh, that Baton, Roo- Baton Roots started. And so uh, it's interesting. They're really trying to bring in economics um, from – the agriculture standpoint and bring in uh, the community as well. So it's a it's an educational program for the kids at Capitol High as well as a community farm where they can come in and people in the community can come get food. And so it's a it's an interesting uh, prospect. Andy Brown, who's the assistant commodity associate commodity director at Farm Bureau, went with me, and he's looking at that and finding new ways to help part you know partner with these groups. Uh, Ag in the Classroom that Farm Bureau does is a strong program, and so they're trying to help uh, link up that program to what mm-hmm. Baton Roots is doing and and some of these other places across the state. Are y'all seeing? I mean, I guess did you see? Is there a lot of uh, I guess student involvement and excitement around 
around this? I know, remember last week you mentioned that being right. a, a big uh, draw. They are. The community is definitely interested in it. And it's it's one of those things where, of course, not everybody's into it, but the kids who are into it are really into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing a lot of the exciting possibilities. Kristen and I talked about it on set today that there's more jobs in agriculture than just growing the food. Of course, farmer is a great career and, and it's it's a great opportunity, but agronomists, ag- economics, home ec, all of these things that tie into growing a garden. Food scientists mm-hmm. at the end of it as well. I mean, that's another one. Nutritionists. Of, yeah, those are all ag-related jobs and mm-hmm. they're in demand. Yes. They really are. And a lot of these kids grow up just eating what, you know, is around them, and they don't really link up the idea of nutrition, of growing, you know, those programs. So, like, uh, a lot of football players are really interested now in nutrition because it helps them big build mm-hmm. bigger muscles, helps them get faster, and that kind of thing. And it's all the, the macros, as they call them, you know, that links right back to fresh, healthy food that they need ready access to. So, hopefully, this is a new chapter for them. Um, I don't know if they're going to get the FFA back started, but they're definite, they definitely are growing uh, a plot there in the back of Capitol High. And so it's it's right there. Howell Park's in an urban area. Capitol High's in, in an urban area. But they're growing food just like, That's awesome. you know, everything. And so um, <clears throat> it was really gratifying to, to do these stories, to make that link between consumers and uh, the people who grow the food and, and developing new youth who were into uh growing that food mm-hmm. that's a great story uh, the the connection to the school mm-hmm. u- using the if they could invigorate the ffa program because mm-hmm. i think once you once you even if they don't necessarily want to go out there and start working in it not just the education that it provides but giving them a co- a connection to something and responsibility of ownership the, the, they grew that that mm-hmm. was their project yes you know and it, i think plants a seed for all of the different things that you were talking about being involved in agriculture in the future. Absolutely. Plants a seed. Plants a seed. I see what what you did there. What did I say? Well written. Uh Plants a seed. Honestly, watching these couple stories, I mean, these stories like this, back-to-back weeks like this. Good theme. It's a good theme, but I'm also, it's perfectly timed, right? I mean, isn't it time, Kristen? You're the the resident garden expert. Is it about time to start getting our gardens ready? I don't want to think about it. Am I right, though? Is Is it about that time? If I'm going to build some containers in we, my backyard, do I need to start that now? We Every year I usually do it around the, the rule of thumb. You're supposed to wait until after Easter because supposedly there is always, according to the Farmer, Farmer's Almanac, an, an Easter, Easter snap. cold snap. Yeah. And if you wait until after Easter, that's a safe time to plant your garden. But you can start doing, if you've got a lot of prep work to do, I guess you could do it. I've got to build, a, uh, I want to yeah. build some <laughs> above ground yeah, that Yeah, that takes boxes. just as much work putting the dirt in mm-hmm. whatnot it was groundhog groundhog's day this past weekend uh, oh, I saw that. you he did see his speaking okay. of well i'm gonna interrupt Chris you inspired up y'all mm-hmm. watch out because this is like a running joke between landon and i if you don't follow punks tawny phil on uh-huh. facebook you need to because say that name again punks tawny phil punks tawny that's the that is the ground. I, know I, know the name. I know the name i just i, I never thought it was punks tawny but you know not I, whatever I, get, get I've, I've seen the name on like whatever facebook we probably shared something i'm sure you shared something well, before i was so rudely interrupted oh they, gee he, get yes. over it <laughs> <laughs> he he did see his shadow so there's six more weeks of winter 
However, Pierre C. Shadow, uh-huh. the Nutria right. in New Iberia, yeah. did not make an appearance at all. Right. COVID-19 said, nope, not going to do it. You get this calendar update. Wow, look at that cutie. Just, I just love things with buck teeth. <laughs> <laughs> How they, often do you go to Bucky's? They. How often? Every chance you get. You know, I can say I don't think I've ever actually been in one. Really? What? There's not and one in Texas. You said you love no, stuff. There's no, with there's buck only teeth. only in Texas. There's more no. now in Alabama. They were even selling <laughs> Phil um, buck teeth mask. I'm gonna buy her some beaver nuggets. <laughs> They put videos Please of him. Please explain what he that paints. is for anyone, for the few people I'm that haven't you. been there. What are beaver nuggets? They, they're like corn, corn pops. Nuggets. Yeah, they're little corn pops, mm-hmm. you know, sweetened corn that you can get over at Bucky's that they sell. What? I, I've what only case? been like twice. I, I really like their, they've got a late night grill. That if you're, you know, it's open all the time. And if you're on the road and tired and hungry, it's good. They sell swimsuits too. They sell everything. They sell everything. If you want yeah. a good breakfast. Mm-hmm. Their breakfast tacos. Mm. This is this podcast brought taco. to you by. I was about to say <laughs> they better start spending some sponsorship dollars with this podcast. I really love. It. They were supposed to open one on I twelve in Baton Rouge, but it fell through. And I would love it if they they came here. It's the definition of a rabbit hole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're, Garden, we're way down it. Phil, we've gone there. All right, yeah. real quick, back on track. Yes, Avery, you did a story on an actual farm. Yeah. Not that farmers markets aren't actual farms, but. Farmers no. markets aren't traditional, the farms. conventional well, you went to agriculture. A traditional farm. Yeah, I went and visit uh, Gary Gravois. He has a uh, sugarcane over there in Assumption Parish, mm-hmm. and uh, in fact, I've been spending a lot of time with a lot of Gravois the, this bet, week. I'm sure he's part of one of he's one of many, right? Yeah. So uh, I, let's see, Gary, I interviewed uh, Greg, uh, Greg Gravois, his cousin. I've. Uh, Talked to on the phone a few times and then today, and uh, then Ken Gravois, who's the LSU Ag Center sugarcane specialist, he's in the piece as well. Thanks to uh, Craig Gotro at the LSU Ag Center for getting that interview for us, and then Megan Gravois, who works with us, that's Greg's daughter and Ken's uh, niece. So I've been on the phone with all of them uh, because this week was also the American Sugarcane League and the American Society of Sugarcane Technologists annual meeting. And so uh, that's why I wasn't in the show is because I was helping them facilitate their meeting, uh, which was done virtually. So I was the I was the mute Nazi. You were if the, you will. the Zoom expert. I was the Zoom mute Nazi, and when people's uh, presentations wouldn't share screen, well, I have your presentation here. I'll share my screen, and uh, but it all went very well. But what I loved was learning just how deep they get into the sugar industry, and pointing out so many misconceptions about sugar like they pointed out that sugar consumption itself has dropped at the same time that obesity has increased Mm -hmm. in the population so if if you're going to say that sugar is the reason for the uh, uh, obesity epidemic why is consumption of sugar dropping at the same time that obesity is going up well it's because you have people like my husband who think that Sugar is the devil, and the sugar is what makes you fat, and that just no. roll my eyes. I said, mm-hmm. anything no. in excess can make you it's overweight. Our entire caloric intake has yes. increased. Avery, you're so, an expert on this lately. Well, that's, that's because, well, one, I've been losing a little bit of weight this year, but that's because I'm lowering my caloric intake. But 
uh, you know, it's it's not about just sugar. It's about the whole picture of mm-hmm. what we put on our plates. That said, uh, this year's sugarcane harvest was really, really good. I was about to ask, what was uh, I've seen? Uh, I've actually been out to a couple of sugarcane harvest uh, shoots. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really gotten the full scale. What's the how was how was the crop this year? So it was excellent in not only tonnage but content. So there was a lot of sugarcane out in the fields, but the sugarcane that was there was very rich with sugar. So uh, this was a very good year. It was a dry harvest, despite having a couple of hurricanes come in. Uh, so there's not going to be a lot of uh, field prep that they're going to have to do afterwards. Normally, you know, in a wet year like we had in 2018, you you lose a lot of yield because you've rutted up your field and you have to try and go out there and fix it. Not Didn't have that this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, in fact, it was a long harvest, too. I was about uh, to say, it seemed like it lasted a really long time. Yeah, 136 days. So, you're, you're looking at four months. It's normally, don't, don't they usually wrap up Sometimes after the first of the year? It's usually about 100 days. About 100 days usually. Yeah, They normally go from about mid-September all the way till the first of the year. I think in 2020, they were all done by mid-January, like 13th, 14th of January. Mm -hmm. They were done. People were still grinding. The mills were still grinding in the, you know, as late as last week. September, I mean, sorry, uh, January 29th was the last day. Mm Mm-hmm. Of process. I know they lost a few days though. A few mills, like mills, yeah. shut down during hurricanes, right? Like, yeah, you had a couple, which mills is not shut usual, down. but but that was you know. So this this past year for the hurricanes, as uh, Mike Melanson told us, was the first time they can remember that all of the mills all shut down mm-hmm. all at once across. I mean, normally when a hurricane comes through, it only hits one part of the state, but mm-hmm. uh, for Delta, I think it all of them yeah. shut down all well, at once. Not only that, we had five tropical systems make landfall. So when you have that, you know, you're going to have shutdowns everywhere. And we've been, we're in the cone, what, eight times this past year. So, but fortunately, that did not damage the crop as badly. You know, now some folks did, like when Neil went out to visit with Ricky Gosselin down in Iberia Parish, yeah, his crop got hit pretty hard. Mm -hmm. But overall, statewide, we did very well. So they're they're actually hopeful for this year because not a whole lot of work they'll have to do. But going back to the meetings this week, some really cool research on um, not only using uh, some of the burned bagasse as sort of like a fertilizer on the fields to help increase yields, but also uh, a modification made to a sugarcane harvester so that the trash doesn't get deposited on the rows. Hmm. They talked about that? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they. it's one of the stories I've, I've gone and shot already. I just haven't really gotten to a... Oh, you haven't, I haven't got, gotten the green light. Spoiler to, alert. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, but it's really, really it's being, cool. It's being discussed. Yeah, yeah it's, it's super cool because it's got so many benefits Yeah. as far as, like, the, the keeping it off the top of the row. The ultimate dream, and I, now that you brought this up, I'm going to... The ultimate goal is to eventually, hopefully, hopefully burn less, mm-hmm. which would be huge for those communities that all surround and are, you know, have sugarcane fields surrounding them, you know, um, you know, burning, burning fields to clean off the tops of the rows. It's a big deal, but they're hoping that this modification will eliminate that or at least cut it down significantly. And one of the things that uh, Herman Wagespach brought up uh, whenever he was talking about it during the meetings was they didn't expect it to help out with 
the the rutting of the fields or dealing with the wetness of fields, but because it deposits the uh, the leaf litter on top of the tracks and the tracks are moving forward, it actually pulls the trash the the trash leaves under the harvester. So raising it up so it doesn't cut into the bed and also makes it drier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. I, I noticed that. That was one of the other things I was going to say. It also makes the fields a lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a. I'll have to show you some video now that we're talking about this. It's it's super it's fascinating. Yeah. And what's also really cool about it is a farmer came up with this design. Yeah, he saw he's like, if I could just do this and this and build this little contraption and yada yada. He's an engineer, you know, in his head at least. He's an engineer by trade. Uh, a lot of farmers. Or, so that's just practice. one job that a lot of farmers um, have. But he kind of put it all together and and made it work. And he's been tinkering with it. For, I think the last last couple of seasons. But uh, Mike Malonson took me out and showed me and was like, "This thing is crazy." And I, my mind was just blown by it. It's, it's super cool. I'm looking forward to seeing your story. Whenever whenever they give us the full green light, I'm sure you know this was the. I think they were waiting for harvest to finish up. Yeah. To kind of. Let it keep it, get it out of the field so nobody could come and and make sure the patents gone through, patents are clear, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. So one it's of the out biggest of the bag now. Yeah, one of the biggest. Well, they can't they can't design it based on what we just said, <laughs> but one of the coolest things about it was the fact that to me was the fact that a farmer did it, and I was like, that, I wonder how many designs out there have come from farmers seeing an improvement to something. A lot. I mean, farmers have to be mechanics, and you know. Uh, crop specialists and I mean all they've got all these titles so why not throw engineering on top of that you know they're all they've all got to work on that equipment constantly so they get to know it and I'm, I'm sure that's a you know uh, a regular occurrence in and around the farm I think that's another one of the hurdles they're going to face with this new contraption on the back of this harvester is is getting it to where service it can be serviceable by the the major dealers um, you know Having it be mass produced where they can service it and make oh, sure it's, I'm sure they um, keeps to. everybody going. Unless, of course, a major dealer decides to buy the patent for a considerable amount of money, yeah. and then one that can one manufacturer mm-hmm. would have the rights to it. it That's happen. a possibility. Just saying. I went to, by the way, I went to uh, Cuba with Greg and um, Gary, and they were both on that trip in 2016. So uh, I'm they're, sorry. They're very involved with, uh, yeah, well, I mean, despite the fact that Greg is from Back Factory, as, as we, as a well established fact, mm-hmm. um, uh, they, they were great uh, companions on the, the road there, so to speak. He's and quite the troublemaker. He is. He is. And uh, unprovoked at that, I would say. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's. Um, I think that's about all the time we have for the show this week, and uh, I want to thank Kristen, Avery, and Carl for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye. If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play, and let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring (laughs) your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them, let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twyla After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 